1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Rangers close in on Ridvan Yilmaz. Ange Postacoglu says there's still business left to do in the transfer market for Celtic. And Graham Alexander's trying to see the positives despite Motherwell's defeat to Sligo Rovers. I'm Andrew McLean. Joining me in the studio tonight is Roger Hanna. We're almost there. Almost there, Andrew. We've almost got through another close season. Only one more friendly for each of the teams. Imagine how excited we're going to be this time next Friday night. Can you believe it? We've made it. We've made it through to the final summer show of the season. I say we've made it. I shouldn't speak too early. We've still got, what's that, about 55 minutes of this show left. But we're getting there. Uh, we've made it through the summer. And can you believe that it is so close to the start of the league season? It's amazing. I knew it was the start of the summer show. Come in traditionally, you always come in with your smoking jacket and cravat. And you get your medal for seeing Super Scoreboard through the summer months. Um, you've done it very well. The football has so far been very good unless I'm afraid you're a Motherwell fan really poor start last night losing at home to Sligo looks as if they've got a UEFA chance for missile throwing as well and despite Graham Alexander talking about reasons to believe looks as if they'll have their work cut out in Ireland next Thursday night and you know how I know it's the end of the summer shows because you Roger Hanna came in here tonight with a rain jacket on <laughs> a rain jacket on it's what is going on it's July what is happening? Uh, yes, I, w- I was scurrying about looking for anything that had a hood the rain was coming down that hard. Anyway, if you've got any thoughts on the football, 0141951025, we'd love to hear from you. Or send us a tweet at Clyde SSB, whether it's transfer news at your club, whether you're a Motherwell fan, we'd love to hear from you on the game last night. What are your thoughts on that defeat to Sligo Rovers? Uh, some interesting comments from Hearts Sporting Director Joe Savage today as well, saying that his ambitions for the club are to win the Premiership as well. So we'll get round to that a bit later as well. So give us a call, 0141951025. Uh, let's take a look at uh, Rangers' deal for Ridvan Yomaz because that one looks as if it's getting ever closer. Roger, the 21 year old left back, he's already got six caps for the Turkish national side. Strong reports in Turkey that that one is closing in, that a deal has been agreed between Rangers and Besiktas, and it looks as if he could well be the next face in the door at Ibrox. Yeah, and my understanding is I think the lad wants to come. There's a lot of interest in him on the continent. Ironically, I think one of the teams who were looking at him were Eintracht Frankfurt. I think there's talk of Philip Kostic who played sort of left wing back for them, if you remember, in the Europa League final. Talk about him going to West Ham. They need somebody in there. They were interested. But Rangers need somebody as well. You know, Calvin Bassey away to Ajax. A lot of last season, Calvin Bassey played left centre half, but he was signed as a left back to bring competition to Borna Barisic. There really isn't any competition there, natural competition for Borna Barisic when he when he came off for a rest against West Ham on Tuesday night. I think it was young Adam Devine went on on the other side, you know, he's he's a right back mm-hmm. predominantly. So Rangers need to get somebody in. I know they like Yomas, they have been tracking his progress for some considerable period of time and I believe a deal's close. Yeah, reports are that the, the figure could reach over £5 million, which yeah. is quite a significant outlay for a 21-year-old fullback. Rangers obviously have money in the bank with the Calvin Bassey deal, but they clearly see a lot of potential in him if they're you know willing to pay yeah. that amount of money. And, and I think what you're seeing this season, it's a kind of economics of football. You know, right at the top... Are the really rich guys? As an example, Manchester United, who go and pay fifty-five million pounds for Lissandro Martinez from Ajax, and of that fifty-five, Ajax not quite so much. Go and spend twenty-three million. 
but it could go up to 23 million on Calvin Bassey. And then that moves down and Rangers, not quite so rich, will go and spend maybe five and a half or 5.4, I think it could be, on Rizvan Yilmaz to replace Calvin Bassey. Just like, you know, the 10 million for Joe Aribo, they go out and, you know, get Malik Tillman on a loan with a view to a permanent deal after that. So you're seeing the economics of football like never before last summer, Andrew. 01419511025 if you want to get involved. That's the number William, a Rangers fan in North Ayrshire, has dialed. William, is that a transfer that you're excited about? Yeah, hello, uh, Roger and Andrew. Hi, William. Yeah, I was just speaking to your producer there that the transfer business is... Uh, that's how I get Roger's take on. We think we... 300,000 for Aribo, 250,000 for Bassi. And we brought in 33 million. It could total up to 60 million for Patterson. The Gerard deal would do us at 6 million. I don't know how many millions we made for Europe. Quite a lot, but there's some reports. So the transfers, I like Rogers. I want to know where Roger thinks Rangers in the power position are in Scotland because we've got plenty of money. We're bringing in decent players. I think that uh, Turkish boy is obviously one for the future. It looks, looks a right good signing. It's what I just said, I've been after him for a while. I just want to get Rogers taking what he thinks, how Rangers are progressing, where they're going to, what they're going to do this season. Well, this is what I think Ross Wilson and Stuart Robertson both referred to a while back, Richard, as the trading model that they wanted to use. They wanted to bring in guys for relatively low sums of money, get a couple of years, three years out of them maybe, and then sell them at a profit, or hopefully for them a substantial profit. I think they'd seen, you know, Celtic have done it, had done it for a few years, you know, with the likes of Virgil van Dijk and I think Fraser Forster and Gary Hooper and, and, and people like that. And this is now the Rangers doing it. They have brought in, between the European run and these transfers, substantial sums of money. Um, they're ploughing a bit of it back in. And you look at the, you know, the, the profile of a lot of the guys who are coming in. You know, we spoke of Tillman. Um, I think Tillman is alone with a view to a permanent deal with Bayern Munich very keen to get sort of first refusal on him. Um, clearly thinking that he, you know he could flourish at Ibrox and take the next step in his career. Likewise, Yelmaz, twenty-one years of age. I don't think anyone, if this deal goes through, I don't think anyone would see Red Van Yelmaz spending ten or twelve years at Ibrox and becoming a legend. He'll be coming to Rangers because he'll view Rangers as somewhere where he can further his career for two or three years. He can develop. And then Rangers can maybe sell him, not necessarily to a bigger club, but into a bigger league. You know, no one will say Southampton is a bigger club than Rangers. Of course it isn't. But it's a bigger league and that's why Joe Arebo wanted to go. So the trading model has begun to kick in for Rangers this summer. They will want to ensure it continues to work for them and brings money in. In terms of on the pitch, but you know, Arebo and Bassey will be, for me, two big losses but some of the guys who have come in, it's, it's an impressive you know, array of signings. And when you throw in Conor Goldson's extension and a very soon-to-be-signed extension from the captain as well, I think Rangers will be quite, quietly pleased with what they've done over the summer, William. Yeah, William, as Roger says, you know, Bassey and Aribo were key players for Rangers last season. Aribo for a lot longer than that as well. But with the business that Rangers have done, do you feel the squad is in a much stronger place than it was at the start of the window? Yeah, definitely. I watched the, the pre-season friendly on Tuesday. I, I look at that just as fitness, right? Results, if you win the game's great, right? But I was just looking at it, right? We had eight European finalists in that team, right? And I thought, see, your players like Lindstrom, absolutely. What we go in for, 
the pennies we got him for is unbelievable. What, he just throws games right. The guy's excited me the most. I know it's so, I know it's early, but that boy Montondo, oh my God, he's going to terrorise some defences and that team. And plus the fact you still go uh, Morelos to come back, you know, and he's he's going to play a big big part in the Rangers season next year. Roger, do you see this Rangers side being different? this season not just because of the personnel that have come in but Giovanni Van Bronckhorst has had the summer to bring in players that suit his style he's had a prolonged period on the training ground that he's not had before with his players as well you, you could probably see it evolving last season you know Stephen Gerrard was always very much 4-3-3 if you like and I think Giovanni Van Bronckhorst was more of a 4-2-3-1 and it, it's just a little tweak but what you do see is there's a number 10 gets gets pushed closer to the centre forward I think at West Ham against West Ham the other night Glenn Kamara started in the role in the first half and Tom Lawrence came in and filled the role in the second half and I think you know whoever it is fills the role maybe it'll be Tillman going forward or Lawrence or Kamara or whoever I think that's you know very much becoming um, the preferred style of play the 4-3-3 that Gerrard had the two wide attackers if you like they were quite narrow they were almost in as number 10s um, while you mentioned Matondo there if people at Matondo or Kent are playing I think when Broncos likes them wider out you know they're more like it's more like a sort of Dutch formation if you like with, with the wingers high and wide so I think that will be the change that Rangers fans will see again this season William are you expecting there to be much business left for Rangers to do in this window? Well well, obviously the Champions League qualifiers are very, very important. If we qualify for that Champions League, right, I don't, I don't see any more, any more business being done. Possibly a strike if, if we don't make it. I think Morelos might, might be so because he might get fed up. He's in the Champions League, but I think, I think a striker is, is the one. But if Morelos comes back, signs a deal, Rangers in perfect position because the top man, the top man in striking position is Scotland definitely. Those are still two big question marks hanging over this Rangers squad, Roger, and they have been all summer. The Aribo uh, situation has been cleared up. He's left the club, but still no progress on Ryan Kent or Alfredo Morelos with the league season just over a week away. Yeah, we're still more than a month of this transfer window to go. And I think both Rangers and Celtic have probably done more work, both in terms of incomings and outgoings than you would expect them to do by the 20-somethings of July or whatever we're at, Andrew. Um, the two overwhelming things that have not been done so far, though, as you say, are a resolution to the contract situations of Morelos and Kent. They are big players. Do Rangers risk them going into the final seasons of their contract? They could sign a pre-contract with someone else in January. Um, they've been there a while. I think they've got good relationships with the club and it can go, you know, one of either way. They could be sold this window, but they can only be sold if there are bids come in for them. You know, there was a bid came in for Joe Arabo, a bid came in for Calvin Ramsey. As far as we know, in this window, there hasn't really been that level of interest in Kent or Morelos. But, as we say, there's still five weeks of the window to go. Rangers took a bit of a risk when it came to Connor Goldson. His yeah. contract ran down and he ended up signing a new deal eventually. Can Rangers afford to do that with Ryan Kent and Alfredo Morelos? It'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, these are probably more valuable players on the market than Connor Goldson was. They're both younger than Goldson and they're both in premium positions, if you like, in terms of the transfer market. A centre forward and a creative winger tend to go for more money than a centre-half, if you know what I mean. So, can they afford to let them go? They'd certainly prefer not to see them walk out of Ibrox 
next May or June for nothing. I think they'll be working hard behind the scenes to try and broker some sort of deal that gets them an extension, gets them a pay rise. And there's maybe a clause in there that says if a club meets a certain level, the players can go. I don't know. You would think things like that will be going on. I wouldn't rule out either of them staying. But equally, you know what football's like? Those last days before the transfer window closes can be frantic. Bids can come in that you didn't expect. So I really do think it could go either way. Well, thank you to William. Let's stick with the phones. John is a Rangers fan in Paisley. John, how are you feeling about things at your club at the moment? Our club's quite comfy at the moment, aren't they? Financially, we're sound for a club that wasn't meant to be going bankrupt. You know what I mean? Again, as the Celtic fans would say, but I don't think we'll sign anybody else. And as for Morales and Kent, I'm not worried about these two. I think if we want to stay, they'll stay. And if we want to sell the two of them, that's just even more money in the coppers. But with the signings we've signed, they look comfy. They look a mixture. The Warrens, the wee boy in the wing. And we've still got youth there as well. You know what I mean? We've got Leon King, we've got wee boy Divine. By the way, we've got abundance actually, compared to some other clubs that I can think about. Roger, is, is Rangers business done? John says he doesn't no, expect I, any more I transfers get, in. Listen, everything will be revolving around Murray Lawson Kent. We could see tonight Rangers business is done um, if, you know, if Yilmaz comes in, but it, it could all change. You know, if Murray Loss goes, there's no way Rangers will enter a season with just Roof and Cholak as recognised strikers. They will want a direct replacement for Murray Loss. If Kent goes, likewise, I think they would, you know, you, you, it looks as if Matondo is going to be one option out wide the Scott right there had you still a while from coming back to first team action so if Kent was to go I think they would look for another wide player there so I think the future of those two will really dictate what Rangers do between now and the end of August I did see reports today I think it was from Italy that Rangers are apparently one of the clubs in for Patrick Catrone who's at Wolves is that uh, a deal you know anything about is that something you, you think could be true I don't think it, I, listen they will be the recruitment department there will be lining up various options. You know, they had various options for Aribo's departure, they had various options for Bassey's departure, various options back in January for Nathan Patterson's departure. And they will have players lined up just in case those bids come in for Morelos and Kent and those players say that they want to go. Um there'll be players and maybe Cutrone is one who's on a list as a potential to come in. That is the thing. Clubs do have endless lists yeah. of players when Absolutely. they know that players could potentially be departing Absolutely. that they need to have there ready to go. And you see it across the cities. Well, you know, out goes Tom Rogic from Celtic. In comes Aaron Moy. You know, out go Beaton and Scales and central defensive options. In come Morris Jens, who is a guy who we know has been in a list for more than a year because we're very keen to get him when he was a Lausanne last summer. So cl- clubs do that's what recruitment departments are there for, Andrew, just for eventualities like this. Would qualifying for the Champions League group stages change Rangers' mindset or business no, I, at all I, I, in I this think, window? I don't think it would because as John said, the, the sales of Aribo and Bassi this window, hot in the heels of Patterson in the last window, and the run to Seville... I think, you know, financially Rangers are in as good a place as they've been for many a year. So I don't think they need to hang on and see whether or not they make it through to the group stages of the Champions League. I think, you know, the, the, I would imagine a Yelmaz deal will come over the line in the next few days. And then the other big deals will depend on outgoings. Well, thank you to John. Ange Postacoglu has been speaking today about Celtic's transfer business. We'll be hearing a bit from him later. And of course, that Motherwell game last night, we'll be getting into that. And we want to hear from you as well. 0141 951 1025. 
0141-951-1025. This is Scottish football's league leader, Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Roger Hanna here with me, Andrew McLean, in the second part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Shortly we'll hear a bit, hear a bit from Ange Postacoglu. He's been talking about Celtic's transfers and what's to come in this window. So if you've got any thoughts on that, 0141-951-1025. But let's take a look at that Motherwell game last night. Europa Conference League qualifier against Sligo Rovers. It was a 1-0 defeat. Roger, what was your take on it? Uh, my take on it is I'm very glad I'm working with you tonight and not Gordon Duncan <laughs> and Gordon DL. They would have extremely long faces after that performance. Um, some would have seen it coming. Motherwell have been in this movie before. First game of the season in Europe before the league campaign kicks off and they're caught cold by a side halfway through their domestic campaign. Um, Graham Alexander was there in the audio in the news just before the programme started talking about reasons to believe one reason to believe is in the last round Sligo won away from home against Ballatown and then lost at home and scraped through in a penalty shootout so they're not invincible in their own patch at the showgrounds I think they lost at home to UCD in the league last Sunday so Graham Alexander will hope that with another week of preparation under the players belts they can go to Sligo next Thursday night and perform better than they did. The same happened, I think, a few years ago against Linethley when they played a game. I think they had to play the game at Airdrie because the pitch wasn't ready. Lost at home to Linethley, but Motherwell went to Wales and got through. So there are seeds of hope there for them, but they're going to have to play better than they did last night, and they're going to have to play better than they did in the second half of last season, Andrew, because I think they only won two games from Boxing Day to the end of the campaign. It was really the work in the first half of the season that sustained them and kept them in position for the top six and in position for Europe. This has been a result that has been coming for a while. Well, Scott, as a Motherwell fan on the line, Scott, you've had a bit of time to digest that performance and result last night. How are you feeling about it now? Disappointed. Uh, I, the... the the performances last season towards the end, you know, we managed to scrape uh, into Europe, uh, which, you know, the, the fans were on the list, the high, you know, we were delighted. And then we had the close season, we had a couple of signings that, you know, were promising. Good things were being said. It was exciting last night, you know, the fans were there in, in numbers, in colour and voice. And within five minutes, we just realised that this was where we've just left off for, for last season. There's, there's been no, no injection of, of performance levels, albeit we kind of knew that, that Sligo, they're, they're kind of they're halfway through their season. They were sharp. We, we knew they were sharp. We could see the wee, the wee striker up front was, was you know, he was on the rings in uh, Big Bevis. But we just didn't seem to be able to put a foot on the ball and, and play, play football. It was... It was really uh, back to the last season's frustrations. Uh, there's a, there's a real uh, there's a, a big shout today in a lot of the social media pages for Graham Alexander to be shown the door uh, by you know the, the club even at this early stage, which I think I'd, I really don't know because of the lack of improvement from last season to what we watched last night. It, it, you could feel the, the dejection for the fans all around us. You know, we were sitting in the John Hunter stand, and there was it was really, I was really, it was good to see so many fans there, and you could just feel the air getting taken out of us because we were back to where we were at the end of last season with no real improvement, uh, and that there's a real, I think, a, a consensus that 
some of the players don't seem to be comfortable in the positions that they're asked to play. Now, whether that's a game plan that Graham Alexander has set the players up and they're not comfortable with what they're trying to do and he's maybe trying to press them that it'll work, it'll come, well, it isn't he? So something has to change. And I think the fans, are, the majority of the fans are just saying that has to be the manager because the quality of players that, are, that we have there is good. And and they have that desire. We've seen that last season when we went on a good run at the start of the season, and it's the same players. There's there's no we've no lost any any uh, you know dominant players as you like. Yeah, Roger, it is only one competitive game into yeah. the season, but the fact that Motherwell didn't have a good second half to last season that means that naturally pressure will build quicker at the start of this campaign. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with that. Um, I understand where Scott's coming from. I saw a lot of Motherwell in the second half of last season. And for some reason, you know, it was night and day from the first half of the season. It was at Fir Park and Boxing Day. They beat Livingston. They were third in the league. Everything was positive. And then the season just collapsed from there. Um, when you look at the outgoings from Fir Park, I'm actually surprised there haven't been more incomings. Now, listen, I like Blair Spittle. I think he's a good player. I like Paul McGinn. I think he's a good player. I don't know so much about the lad Josh Morris that's come up from Salford. Um, I don't think there's any doubting the quality of the signings. I actually just thought Motherwell needed more of them, you know, to to bolster the squad after a sort of lacklustre finish to last season. Um, I don't think they will change the manager now. I don't think they should change the manager now. I think they're now... Nailed down with Graham Alexander because what happens? You know, you start the season. He's really going to sack a manager just you know in the last few days of a transfer window, or worse, after the transfer window shuts, and then get a new guy to work with all Graham Alexander's players. I don't think that's going to happen. I think this is going to be as a unique season because there's that break, Andrew, for the World Cup. I would tend to think that sacking season this season is going to be about November time. I think any manager, who any club who's thinking of changing their manager will do it then and give the new guy a month to come in and work with his players and tee up January signings. Scott Roger touched on multiple signings so far in this window. Is the fact that only three players have come in the door a concern for you? Very much so. I thought that we, we may have added uh, to the front you know the, the the forwards. Kevin Van Veen's a fantastic asset for the club. You know he's a he's a, a great technician as a striker. But last night he seemed to be isolated without having the the the, the service. Uh, we could see him slapping his thighs when the ball was going wide and then going at the park. You know I've I'm I'm there sitting amongst the fans. There's a guy in front of us. Uh, he's in his seventies, and he jumps up shouting, uh, "Someone come towards him!" You know the the defenders looking. Richie Lamy's looking to play the ball forward. He had nothing. He had no options to to play the ball to. And there's a seventy year old guy in front of me. He can see it. Now the interview that Graham Alexander done. Now you know I, I like Graham Alexander. He presents himself well. He, he's got the club at heart. Of course he has. But when he's interview when he talks about we need to score more goals and then yeah my 13 year old son Sam who's just started coming to Fat Park with me who just loves the atmosphere loves the occasion he knows that we need more for, for you know the Motherwell fans I think they deserve a wee bit more uh, of, a, of a response from 
Graham Alexander last night in his, his post-match interview. I just don't think scoring more goals than them for next Thursday is something that we needed to hear. David, it's David, obvious. David, two windows, Scott, now to replace Tony Watt, and they haven't adequately replaced Tony Watt. Now, no. you also no. look, I'm not going to claim either of these guys are world beaters, but Kane Woolery's gone to Turkey. Jordan Roberts has been freed. These were guys who, you know, I think I remember them turning a game at Ibrox from, from 2 0 down to 2 2 last season with Motherwell. They brought a little bit of pace. They brought a bit of dynamism to that front third, as did Tony Watt. And I know what you mean about Van Veen, great technician, lovely on the ball. Um, but at 31 or 32, whatever he is, he, he, he's not the quickest. He's not going to get past people, I don't think. And I think, you know, what Motherwell need, I think they need more pace in wide areas. And I think they need somebody to replace Tony Watt and provide the, the 10 or 12 goals that, that could make the difference between yeah, top six yeah. or bottom six or even worse, getting pulled into a relegation fight. Roger, Roger, I, I was talking to a chap at work today and he, and he watched the game as well. He was there. And the Motherwell really started to go on the front foot and attack Sligo last night when uh, Young Tierney came on. Young Tierney's like, like a young McFadden. He's got that that belief, that confidence, he's got the, he's got, you know, he's, he's just a wee slight fella, but he, he can keep the ball and he goes past players like they're, they're standing still. And it took him, I think it was maybe 75 minutes, maybe towards 80 minutes before he was brought on. And suddenly it sparked at something and we started to press. And that's, that's no, that's no good enough. And, and another point, Roger, that I'd like to make is throughout last season, Graham Alexander chopped and changed the team it was like player bingo about who was going to actually start the game because we've got players who had a good performance the week before, they're suddenly on the bench. I don't think Graham Alexander last season knew what his best 11 were and I don't think that's changed. And that really is coming for other fans that, that we sit amongst. And, and, you know, it really is disappointing. And last night, we obviously, you know, we have a big break and the build-up's there. It's next week, it's tomorrow, the game day happens, we go... And it's just disappointing because I think the vast majority of the fans at Mullerwell last night expected a, a party atmosphere. The lads were there with the drum, they never stopped singing. And it just didn't happen for us. It, and it, I, I, it's funny you say that about, about the, the, the changes in selection, Scott, because a couple of my mates are Mullerwell fans and that was their biggest beef last season that you would turn up and it doesn't matter whether they'd lost or drawn or won the week before, the team was never the same. And that's what they said as well. And I know certain managers will tell you Football's no longer about 11 players. It's about a squad and it's about rotation and it's about, you know, bringing guys in and giving other guys a rest, etc., etc. But a lot of supporters believe, and I can see where they're coming from, that getting a settled 11 is, can maybe be beneficial for you going forward. Well, thank you to Scott. Let's stick with the phones and stick with Motherwell because Stephen is up next. Stephen, is that what you'd go along with, what Scott was saying? I can only echo what Scott's saying really. I mean, Graham Alexander before the game says that we are he's happy with the firepower we have and then we go into the game and look toothless and then the more concerning thing after that is he came out and said it's a good performance. The I sit in the disabled chair, well that's about exactly the description of the game is me turning around and saying I'm your same ball. It's it's just not the case. It was it was a pathetic performance. Um, the fans do that demonstration before the game. There's a party atmosphere, and the cake was at a date at the party, and the drink was flat. The minute we got there, 
it was horrible. No, it, w- it wasn't a good performance, Stephen. I think, you know, you and I and Scott could all agree it wasn't a good performance. And if Mullow put on a performance like that next Thursday night, they'll go out the Conference League and they won't get, you know, the, the trip to either Norway or the Czech Republic in the next round. There's no doubt about that. Um, I would tend to agree with Scott. I was surprised when Ross Tierney didn't start the game last night. I don't know if he had a niggle or whatever, but he, at the end of the season, looked as likely as anyone to, to nick a goal. I think he scored a good goal against Rangers, which he actually started a move and finished the move at Fur Park towards the end of last season. Van Veen is still a threat, so maybe finding a system that you can use both Van Veen and Tierney together. Maybe, I don't know, with Spittle in a more advanced role, I don't know whether that's the way forward or not, but they need Motherwell very quickly to find a solution to this problem of not scoring goals. Stephen, I was going to ask if it's a big concern ahead of the game next week, but is it just a, a big concern ahead of the season as a whole? It's a concern ahead of the season as a whole. I mean, it, right to touch on Ross Tierney, he's the only ball carrier that we've got in the team, really the only one that will go and commit players and run at defenders, and, and that's something that we were lacking. But it's a concern for the season because Alexander's come out and said that he doesn't think we need any more firepower. I hope he was watching, well, he wasn't watching the same game I was watching last night, going by his comments. Uh, but aye, it's, it's a huge concern. Because um, we've only got five recognised forwards if you look at our squad breakdown on the website. And one of them is Young Mahan, that we bought in, in January. So uh, it's a big concern when you hear your manager come out and saying he's happy with the firepower. And then added to that, he's happy with the performance. You forget as well, last team they played in Ireland. So he's played against the like. It's Ligo. He knows what uh, kind of a kind of a team they're going to be. So to start him on the bench when Kevin Van Veen has not trained all week uh, was mystifying to me. Now, the service to Van Veen was nowhere near good enough. But that's because tactically we seem to be a team that like to play the ball in the area and hope that people are there and see and play off certain balls. And see when you don't win the second balls, it looks amateurish. And you, and you, you look about getting into a league season, Stephen, as well. Um, I'm not going to tip Motherwell to win the league. I think we all know the area of the league that Motherwell are going to compete in. And if you look at the strikers, that the other teams in that area of the league possess, you know, Kilmarnock are coming up with Kyle Lafferty and Ollie Shaw. Look at Dundee United. They, they took Tony Watt from you in January. They've now got Stephen Fletcher there as well. Livingston, you know, Bruce Anderson was into double figures for Livingston last season. St Mirren have got. Eamon Brophy and Curtis Main, you know, was at your club at one stage. Hearts have just signed Lauren Shanklin today. They all look to me as if, on paper, they're going to carry a bigger goal-scoring threat than Motherwell this season. And that would worry me if it was a Motherwell fan. Roger, I know the scattergun can come out after results and performances like that, but is that a concern that Motherwell only had two pre-season fixtures before that game? Is that a strange one? Should... Does it make a difference? I I, I don't know. I mean, I know Graham Alexander and Chris Lachetti worked them hard. You saw, I think the Sky cameras were over and over thrown Mm -hmm. for their pre-season. You saw Motherwell's social media. Stephen would see it as well. They looked to be working very hard. Yeah, I heard an interview with Bevis McGabby, actually, and he was saying about getting up at half six in the morning and going straight out for 5Ks and stuff like that. You know, they came back. They got a game under their belts at Fur Hill against Partick Thistle last Saturday. So... Well, they undercooked. I don't know. I don't think we can level that allegation at them. You always look maybe as if you're undercooked when you take on a team that are 20 games into their domestic season. I think the next week's going to be crucial for Motherwell because um, 
It's a little bit of a blow financially. I think the difference between going out in this round and the next round is about 170 grand. Motherwell would like that money. But it's also a big blow reputationally. And it's a difficult blow to come back from. You know, ask Angelo Alessio. When Kilmarnock lost to Connors Key Nomads, he never recovered. And he was out of job by the October or November time, Andrew. You know, if you lose a game like this, it just puts a cloud over the entire club right at the start of the season. And it can be difficult to get back from. Well, thank you to Stephen. Ange Postacoglu has been talking about Celtic's transfer business. He thinks there's still more to come in this window. We'll hear from him after these. Tackle the headlines. 0141951 Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Roger Hanna here with me, Andrew McLean, in the final part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. 01419511025 on the phones if you want to get in touch. Maybe you've got some thoughts on this because Ange Postacoglu speaking today, he says Celtic will still be active in the transfer market going forward. He's expecting more ins and outs at Parkhead. Ultimately, the recruiting's about making us stronger. You know, we've got to be stronger than last year. We've got to improve. Uh, you know, we want to sort of make sure that you know, the, the league is still our focus. We want to be able to, to defend our title. And to do that, I think we have to be stronger. That's where our recruiting has sort of been focused on. Just the gaps we had from last year, try and fill those gaps. And, and, and in general, just you know, make the, the squad a little bit more robust than we were last year. It's fair to say we'll still be active. Um, whether we get deals done, we'll see. It has to be the right ones. Uh, but I think we'll still be active. Um, you know, we expect some, some comings and goings, you know, I assume, over the next two, three weeks, you know, while the window's open. So, um, you know, without putting any certainty around it, I'd, I'd, I'd say we'll still be, you know, alert and, and ready to go um, if the right solution comes. Yeah, you wonder what was next for Celtic after a couple of signings this week. Aaron Moy and Moritz Jens yeah. coming in, but Ange Postacoglu saying there that they're certainly not done yet. Yeah, and listen, it's a bit Rangers, Andrew. He talks about comings and goings. Now, I know supporters naturally are more interested in the comings, but I think the comings might have to rely on the goings, if you know what I mean. When we talk about Rangers, if Morelos goes, Rangers will look for a striker. If Kent goes, Rangers will look for a winger. And I think that's what happened at Celtic as well. I know Morris Jens is in this week, but you know that's covered in the absences of the departures of Scales and Beaton. I think if Christopher Julian was to go, and you wouldn't rule that out, there could be another centre forward there. Um, are Celtic still shy of a defensive midfield player? Personally, and I've said this in the show before, I think you need to get a very good one to, to be better than Callum McGregor in there, but maybe look for someone... You know, to compete with McCarthy or Eddie Gucci as cover for McGregor in there. Could Aaron Moy be that? He said this yeah, week that he's well, played in listen, a deeper role, yeah, or was it yeah, someone yeah, of a different role that you're I thinking of? And, and listen, maybe just because the two of them are Australian, and you know, I, I always saw Moy more as a sort of direct mm-hmm. replacement for for his countryman Rogic. I also wonder for Celtic if there's another wide player there. I know Jota's come in on a permanent deal. I know James Forrest has signed another deal, but. You wonder, you know, does Ange still see Maeda as a predominantly central player along with Kyogo and Giacomakis? Um, you know, you're never too sure about Michael Johnson and his, you know, his ability to stay fit, his ability to stay in the team. I just wonder if there might be a winger being looked at as well. The luxury for Celtic is that they've had a lot of business that's been done early and there isn't yeah. any rush for them to no. get those bodies in the door in the next few days no, or the next it, week before the season starts. I, I listened to Ange on TV this morning and what he says is actually correct. The difference between Celtic July last year and July this year 
It's night and day. There were rushing players through the door this time last year, simply because so many players had left the football club. It was a overhaul of personnel on a grand scale that probably never been seen before at Celtic. And all these guys come in on mid to long term contracts. So 12 months on, none of those guys are out of contract. Even Rogic and Beaton, who have left, they still had a year to go in the deal hundred. They could theoretically have stayed on as well. So that's why I think you're going to rely on players, maybe like Julian, maybe like Johnson, guys like that. I think you're going to need to rely on them leaving the club before Celtic look to bring others in. It's quite the stamp Ange Postacoglu has put on this Celtic side and on the starting lineup as well because if you look at the squad that finished the season where Neil yeah. Lennon left and John yeah. Kennedy took charge of the last few games compared to the Celtic squad now, it's it's vastly different. Yeah, of course it is. There's hardly any players left. If you look at the team that predominantly won the league last season, you know, Joe Hart was a new goalkeeper. Juranovic was new, Carter Vickers, Starfield, all new players there. A midfield, you know, the likes of Riley, Hatati, both of whom came in in January were new guys. Jota's first season, Maida came in in January, Kyogo, Giacomakis. So they, almost a full team came in a year ago. There were hardly any exceptions. Callum McGregor, James Forrest, Greg Taylor maybe. But, but the rest were all new. And when you do something like that one year, that's not something you're going to repeat the next year. Yeah, well, that was Ange Postacoglu speaking to Sky Sports. Moritz Jens, new centre-back, has also been speaking today. Let's hear a bit from him. He says he's delighted to be reunited with Matt O'Reilly, who he came through the Fulham Academy with. He's also looking forward to the competition at centre-back. We grew up together at Fulham. Since 13, I was at Fulham till 20. And we went through all age groups together, and yeah, he's my best friend. To be able to say that you can play with your best friend, you know, it's like uh, you speak about these things uh, when you were young, you know. Maybe one day we play Champions League together for a big club, and at the end it's, it's happening, so it's fantastic. Of course, there's a lot of uh, other centre-backs, obviously also very good centre-backs. Um, it's normal for a big club to have uh, a lot of competition, a lot of other players. Um, but at the end of the day, we work all for the same goal, to win for the club to get as many trophies for the club and I will do my best obviously to start uh, every game but it's also the decision of the coach at the end of the day Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Moritz Jens slots into this yeah. Celtic squad Carl Starfelt is still out at the moment with an injury we've not seen a lot of Jens he hasn't actually played too much football for a 23 year old but he speaks as if you know he's he's ready to come in and wants to make his mark Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he fits in in the pecking order because there really is now a defined Picking order for Celtic centre halves. Cameron Carter Vickers at the top of it with Carl Starfeld. As you said, he got that nasty hamstring injury playing for Sweden in the Nations League last month. And we're still unclear just when he will be back. Next in the picking order is Stephen Welsh, who's really emerged ahead of Christopher Julian and all, all others this pre season. So does Jens supersede Welsh or the Celtic start the league campaign against Aberdeen a week on Sunday with Carter Vickers and Welsh? And Jens has to bide his time. I think some people would have been surprised to hear the link between Moritz Jens and yeah. Matt O'Reilly, but Moritz Jens spent five years in the Fulham Academy. I think he was brought over by yeah. Fulham from Germany at quite a young age. He yeah. made his way through the academy, didn't quite break through into the starting lineup, but then went on to Lausanne in Switzerland and then to France with Lorient. And he's saying there that Matt O'Reilly's is. His best friend. Yeah, and it was a Celtic great, I think, it coached the two of them down at Craven Cottage, mm-hmm, yep. Peter Grant, who's also had a hand in the development of Moussa Dembele and Patrick Roberts and, and people like that. So he, he's done his bit for Celtic over the last few years and helping direct these players towards the club. So it be interesting to see how Jens does. He, you know, he looks a big, imposing physical character. I'm told he isn't 
I'm told, you know, his qualities are he's very good on the ball, he's a cultured defender. Um, so, you know, we'll see whether he, that might well be what Celtic need next to Carter Vickers, who was very impressive last season and, and totally deserved his, his permanent move to, to the football club. So I'll be interested to see, and we probably won't know to the Aberdeen game because Norwich tomorrow, you know, players will get 45 minutes or 50 minutes or whatever, Andrew. We'll get more of a clue as to where he fits in come the Aberdeen game. A final story that I wanted to touch on tonight, Joe Savage, the Heart Sporting Director, speaking today, saying that his ambitions for his time at the club are to win the Premiership. Now, these types of comments are interesting because some people will say it's great that he's showing ambition. Other people will say it seems a bit silly to say that. He's not saying that it's going to happen this season. He's saying it's more of a long-term aim. What do you make of that? Um, I heard him saying on the TV this morning, great quotes for the television, great quotes for the show, great quotes for my newspaper, not great quotes for Robbie Nielsen. He would have put the waste paper bucket over his head and pretended he hadn't heard the quotes because all it does is add pressure for Robbie Nielsen. Robbie Nielsen has come back for a second spell, done a wonderful job. He's brought hearts up. He's got them to third in the league. He's got them into Europe, guaranteed eight games and European football to Christmas. Robbie Nielsen can't do any more and I think it's silly for anyone at the club to put out there that they think Hearts can win the league. It's not happened probably, Andrew, in your lifetime that league's been won by other Celtic or Rangers. By quite a distance. And I can tell Joe Savage it's not going to be won by Hearts anytime soon. You just look at the sheer gap in terms of wages the teams can offer, transfers, fees, resources, everything. It is ambitious, to say the least. It is incredibly ambitious. Um, I think the Hearts team under George Burley started very brightly won their first 8 or 9 games and they sacked the manager the, the closest they'd come before that was Jim Jeffries I think in 98 they were right in the mix 97 or 98 they were right in the mix with that very good side they went on to actually win the Scottish Cup but it's impossible not just for Hearts for Hibs for Aberdeen for the United nowadays with the finances and the financial strength that Celtic and Rangers have it's impossible for a provincial team to challenge for the league well aside from that that is the final show of the summer we are back to the two hour shows from Monday night Roger it will be the build up to the league season just how much are you looking forward to this Premiership campaign I am looking forward to the Premiership campaign I am looking forward to the return of the two hour shows and we're only eight days away from my favourite show of the season the prediction show Andrew oh dear don't remind us are you looking forward to the return of Beat the Pundit as well yes Always look forward to the return of Beat the Pundit. Um, I'm sure all the boys do. I'm told Gordon Dale has been swatting up all summer. He wants to get up Black Arthur's league table this season. Well, as I say, that is the final one-hour show of the summer. We are back to two hours from Monday as we build up to the start of the Premiership campaign. So thank you if you've been listening throughout the summer. Thank you for your calls and your tweets. The two-hour shows return on Monday night. Roger Hanna will be back in the studio. Gordon Duncan and Andy Halliday will be alongside him. And the perfect way to start your weekend is to stay tuned and listen to the GBX. Super Scoreboard with Call Robert Wheels, your diamond cut alloy wheel refurb specialist.